This week, you're all invited to the book club. And also, we talk about Ocean's 8 right here on The Last King Podcast. It's an old ladies show today. Brought to you by two men. <laughs> Welcome to yet another episode of the Last King Podcast. I am Eccentric Tom. And we are down one. Uh, Mr. Toffee is out on assignment right now. He got, uh, got himself uh, locked out of the airlock once again. <laughs> and I am uh, the other co-host. What was I last time? Uh, cute death metal panda? Yeah. No. Okay, now I am uh, uh, Dr. Feminist. Dr. Feminist, huh? <laughs> For this episode, I shall be Dr. Feminist. We have a very uh, special all-ladies episode. Indeed we do. Yes, we do. Uh, we'll be talking about two films that came out recently because we don't want to watch Tag, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more a thing of that uh, I wanted to watch stuff and then the World Cup happened. Yes. So that's just my life until July. So who are you rooting for, sir? I'm rooting for Belgium. Because? I, because it is... Because being a dual national citizen, <laughs> I'm allowed to pick and choose which one I'm meant to be disappointed in. Okay, so and right now, Belgium's the least disappointing <laughs> of the two teams. Well, your other nationality is playing this uh, Eng- evening, as yeah. we speak. Yes, so England and Belgium, you're representing Tuga. So if, yeah. the, if the grand finals was between Belgium and England, who would you root for more? Belgium. Really? Yeah. Over England. Absolutely. The country that raised you, sir. <laughs> yes, it's also a country which is committing, you know, long-term suicide. <laughs> No, I thought they cancelled Brexit. Like, no. They changed their... No, they didn't. It's on again. It's on again. Why, yeah. Who voted for that again? Uh, Theresa May! Yeah. Shakes fist. <laughs> oh, God. Like, don't get me started on that woman. Okay. It's still an all-women uh, show of the Last King Podcast. There you go. So, it wouldn't be a Last King Podcast if we don't talk about uh, eccentric Tom's nationality and the problems therein. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all our Last King fans really look forward to our opinions on Brexit. Absolutely. If you had to ask me, like... Sure, but they can do whatever they want. Hey, it means you've got me for a bit longer because I'm not going back anytime soon. <laughs> well, my team to support for the World Cup is I don't know. The thing Singapore is, in 2010. Never, sir. <laughs> it's 2018. We missed that boat by a good two World Cups. You know what? The thing is, I have never. I don't want to say I've never supported our local teams. Yeah. Like we had an amazing uh, kind of run in the maybe mid to. Definitely the early to mid-90s when we were definitely uh, causing a bit of a ruckus on in the Malaysia Cup circuit. Yeah. Also, I from what I've heard is that in the earlier days, like in the 60s and 70s, there was a bit more of an effort to kind of develop Singapore them, football. Yes, Raja Gopal, David Lee. These are legends of the scene. And the thing is, is like, I hate to say this, right? Like, we're a country where we have a local national swimmer beat his idol who is a multi- Olympic medal swimmer. Yeah, Joseph Schooling schooled Michael Phelps yes, pretty damn he hard. he beat him in the butterfly. One of the most ridiculous strokes ever. Yeah, and you know, props to uh, Phelps when they were interviewing him said, why are you talking to me? This is, you know, the kid you should be talking to. That's the winner right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Asperger's as fuck, but he knows when uh, he <laughs> needs to pass over the torch. What, Michael Phelps? Yeah, Michael Phelps is not all right in the head. You know what you need to do? Yeah. Give him something to smoke on. <laughs> and then he loses more endorsements. Yeah. Let's not run that joke anymore. But I think he's proper retired now, right? I think because he was in his mid-30s and I think even in especially swimming because that's so damn intense that you have a fairly limited run. Then in football. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's got all of the gold medals. I don't think, you know, he's you know crying himself to sleep at night. Yeah, he can melt it down and probably buy himself a nice chunk of Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> he could probably make a statue of himself out of all the gold he's won. He probably has. Yeah. 
and, and it's also some. a bong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you, Michael Phelps and Joseph Schooling. But yeah, I mean, with regards to that, it's like my team. Actually, I'm always a big fan of the the South American guys. They are fun to watch. Like yeah, but although is, you did make me bristle when you said you were sad about Argentina losing this stride. Because the thing is, I'm a man of a certain age. I'm a big fan of like the Diego Maradona era. You make me bristle even more. Yeah, there you go. So it's like, like I wasn't born then, but I'm still bitter about the hand of God. <laughs> <laughs> not my fault, you know. <laughs> and besides, it's the referee's fault for not having video playback. Speaking yeah. of video playback, they, it's very nice to see that. They're leaning hard on it this year. Especially during the... the uh, did you see the Brazil match? No, I didn't. Because I think somebody took a bit of a dive very close to the penalty oh, box. Oh, you mean Neymar uh, mm-hmm. was trying out to replace Joseph Schooling? <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, watching him cry after winning. Like, fuck you, bro. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, so traditionally, I'm a big fan of, like, Argentina and sometimes maybe Brazil. Because, like, to me, like, there isn't enough ROs. There's no Romario, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Yeah. Robinho. Robinho, Romario, and uh, Roberto, and yeah. whatever. No, like, okay, that was the golden age. Like, I'm a huge fan of Ronaldinho because that yeah. guy's a wizard. He was just so much fun to watch on the... When he was playing, when he cared, yeah, you know, especially. But nothing is he when plays in La Liga, right? He was he went to Real. Or I can't remember. He's which retired he now. He retired real young too. Like he yeah. has nothing to prove. I think that's the problem. Like that's like when you peak, especially when you peak early in football, it's a very long, painful journey to retirement. He is literally literally the one punch man of football. Yeah, he's got nothing. Nothing can defeat him, so he feels so unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Yeah. Well, if and you need a South American team to support Colombia, still have a butt fighting chance. Through that, and now you know. Don't no, say Uruguay. No, not Uruguay. Thank you. But I mean, like, think about Colombia. Yeah. Oh man, I, I miss the old Colombia when you know it was all drug money. That yeah. Was sponsored. It was like Pablo Escobar money <laughs> yeah. paid for those boots. Like you go up into the country box and it's Escobar like holding a gun to the. Because they just say like, oh, that should clearly be a penalty. <laughs> um. Well. Well, basically, I mean, for me, I would always juggle between Argentina and Brazil, but my de facto team to support all this well has always been Holland. Yeah. Because I really love like that. Uh, I don't know. Is there something about maybe like even before the Edgar Davids era, even earlier that with like the, the Ruth Hullit area? Like the thing about... Well done on trying so hard with that name. Hullit. H-U-L-L-I-D. I can't do... Ruth Hullit. Hullit. No D? No. No D for you. So anyway, <laughs> I mean like, I mean... Uh, to be, they were my uh, team to watch because the thing is, they were so aggressive. They still are. Yeah. They are probably one of the most physical European teams I've seen. And it's strange for a country that legalized marijuana first. <laughs> yeah, they need to. Like, have you seen? I think that's how they calm down. Right? There's, there's a lot of under simmering <laughs> hatred in them. Must be all the clogs and tulips, maybe. Absolutely, it's just it's too twee. It's, like, you know, <laughs> it's all like cheese and bicycles, so they have like so much pent up rage that they need to at least somehow. I'm imagining going out to Amsterdam right now and somebody like fucking these windmills. <laughs> <laughs> can't stand them. This place floods all the time. But uh, I don't know. Like the thing is, this World Cup, like you know, it's really all bets are off because I have no idea who's gonna win. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of like the giants falling and the underdogs really shining through. I mean, like yeah, giants falling, Argentina's out. Yeah. Like they were kicked in the teeth first by Iceland, yes. which was surprising, and then Iceland know. got kicked out too. Yeah, kind which is of. unfortunate. I think they still have one chance as they, of this recording. They have, but a lot of stuff has to go their way. But it looks unlikely. Yeah, which is a pity because I like the Vikings. There you go. Yeah, 
And I also love the kind of the, the story about this team. Yo, yeah, like you know, the goalie is the film director, and he directed the promo for the team. <laughs> and like, so there are a lot of shots of him making like, Ryan <laughs> uh, saves. I can imagine him just framing the shots. I mean, like one of the 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 players is like a dentist. The other guy is like a plumber. And no, the manager's a dentist. The manager's a dentist. <laughs> yeah. So to see Legic from Mock the Week, he said that, oh, we're going to be asking a lot of questions of the opposition. Namely, do you floss? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dara Breen for also having a job. No, thank you, Hugh Dennis, for, you know, still doing oh, that Hugh job. Dennis? Yeah, that was a Hugh Dennis joke. Well done, Hugh Dennis. He's the last, you know, old man from of the, the golden show. era, right? Yeah. What happened to that bald guy who was... Andy Parsons? Yeah. I think there, out. there was some controversy as well. Like, I think they realized that he was very much punching down in his comedy and they said, okay, we don't want you anymore. Man. But there, there's a good new young crop now. Okay. Uh, especially like Ed Gamble and James A. Caster. I uh, like them, yeah. Yeah, they're just so bonkers, especially A. Caster. Like, he's what happens if uh, Milton Jones sobered up for a minute. He's what happens if Noel Fielding didn't go to art school. Yeah. That's what I feel. You know what I mean? He's like, he's a bit absurd, but also at the same time, like, uh, he... I don't know. There's like there's a lot of like young John Cleese when I look at yeah. it. Yeah, but eh, I don't know. I mean, it's very hard for me to catch Mock the Week nonsense. Well, uh, it's on so it's on YouTube now. Not officially, officially, uh, unofficially. Unofficially, you know, uh, say no more, say no more, say no more, say no more. Nug, nug, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So yeah, that's all the World Cup talk here from the last few podcasts. Yeah, it's transitioning enough. into one of the best panel shows on British TV right now. And now we shall transition into probably the best thing to happen to video games in a while. The Steam sale. Yeah, the Steam <laughs> sale. Like, once a year, you know, you're minding your own business, walking along, it's a bright sunny day, and then Steam, like, jumps up and goes, ah, give me your money! And then you have to because, yes, yeah. Steam, uh, all hail Lord They David. have this, like, this weird game now? The salience thing? Yeah. Right? It's terribly designed, but very addictive. Are you in it? I played it a little bit. Did you did you did you conquer a planet and get your games? No. No. Well, because I paid for like two minutes. For like, yeah, no, I want to play Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> Thinking about a Steam sale is a constant reminder that you already own that game. Yeah, because stop buying things you think you yeah, don't want. Because I named up Darkest Dungeon because they got a DLC that came. I thought, okay, I think now is the time to finally buy the bullet, buy it in library. Huh? huh. When did I have this? Yeah. It's like it's so much like when did I buy this? You know, kind Steven Stranger. Yeah, I love this new habit they have of like creating what do you call the complete your collection yeah. bundles, like which are fucking evil because it's yeah. it's like it seems like such value, and then you realize you're just buying a crap load of DLC you don't really need. Yeah, the worst is any paradox complete your bundle because oh you've got this game all DLC, this game all DLC, five hundred dollars after discount. After no. discount. After discount is $500 and you own everything Paradox has ever shared out. Not everything. I don't know, own that all the titles and I don't own Heart of Iron because that's a bit too intense dad game for me. Really? Yeah, because that's padding supply lines and <laughs> battle lines and fallback lines. Really infrastructure the video game. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to research military doctrines. Like, Do you want breakthroughs? Do you want you know mass fire? Do you want hard points when you attack? You have to invest in your marines to do... Aquatic landings, you have to get paratroopers and specific kind of planes that you need to research. Then you have decoding and recoding to make sure that you know what the enemy is doing, what they don't know what you're doing. And you just, you need to see Dr. Shafiq's like glaze going on. I'm literally playing a video game in my head right <laughs> yeah. now. Like I could be playing Street Fighter instead of listening to this. Like, yeah. Oh, go on. But anyway, no, I will stop. Like, for the good of everyone. I think one thing I want to do is like maybe since the Steam sale is going on right now, um, I'm going to just highlight one of the items up for sale that yeah. I think will be great value for our fans here with Last King. If you love video games, 
if you love Fallout, if you can't wait for Fallout 76, yeah. Fallout 4, Game of the Year Edition, 40% off. Yeah. For about $30, $40, depending on your exchange rate. That's value. And it's a lot because the base game is already fairly intense and then Far Harbor is pretty good. Nuka World is surprisingly, because when I first arrived, I thought, oh, it's just like a little thing and then it's just... It's almost like a mini New Vegas, just like desert. It's at least 200 hours of your life yeah. that you can throw into the game right now. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll probably say, you know what? If you still haven't bought any of The Witcher, it's really cheap right now. Oh yeah, because Witcher 3 is on sale every other week apparently. Yes, I think for a good $20 you can get everything. Yeah. Please buy Witcher 3. So just scratch that itch until uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 finally comes out. What else is also probably on sale still? Oh yeah, if you want to get Sleeping Dogs for like I'm pretty sure. I think you get it for like $3 now. Definitive edition or original edition? Uh, original. I think like definitive might be 10 15 I know. What about you? What is your like, I gotta get this game right now? Uh, the only thing I thought, okay, I might as well get now was Tyranny. Okay. Which is that Obsidian RPG where you play as the bad guy for, like you, you play as an agent of the evil empire conquering everybody. Okay, cool. Which is a pretty interesting twist. And it's got the standard, you know, your people you have to add who've got you know, their own agendas, they might like you, dislike you, leave you, betray you, that kind of stuff. You know, it's standard Obsidian RPG goodness. And I completed the, the, my Darkest Dungeon collection because I wanted to have a little bit of masochism in my life. Well, a little bit. Speaking of masochism, Dark Souls is probably like $20 now. I'm... Well, but they just released the uh, remastered uh, version and that's going to be full price. Really? There's not on discount? Well, it released like two weeks ago so it'll be at most 10% off well speaking of games that should be discounted because of problems uh, Capcom's uh, Street Fighter collection yeah it's still not discounted it's still full price despite the fact everybody says it's a, a shit port well it's because Capcom have been very bad at customer service yeah true that but you can get all the Resident Evil games now real cheap so it's like mm, you know what I mean yeah I mean I, I would say do it but I tried to get Resident Evil 4 and it chugs hard on my um, RX 770s. It's not optimized at all for no. your machine? Like I, w I had SLI running out of things, six gigs of video RAM, and it was chugging like a motherfucker. Even with like latest drivers and everything? Yeah. Hmm. Like it was fully updated and everything. It's just, you know, they don't know how to optimize uh, PS2 ports. I guess so. Because like, the thing is, I was running it on my machine. Mine is more like a, it's an Ivory Bridge. It's, it's, a, it's a classic Ivory Bridge. It's an i7-3770K. Yeah. And I'm running off a 980 Ti. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe there might have been something. This was four years ago, so maybe they've you know fixed it since then. I think I would probably like my suspicion would be more towards your AMD video card because AMD are very notorious for like taking their time releasing game-ready drivers. Exactly. I mean, that's why I've. That's why you know my even my single 1060 should be fine. But hey, you got an amazing Bitcoin rig <laughs> if you want to do that. Uh, no, my brother has an amazing Bitcoin rig. Oh, you left it over? Yeah, because I'm not shipping that shit over here. He better be mining right now, especially how cheap it is. No, he's using it to play um, Train manager. Simulator. Train Simulator. Yeah, my brother's that kind of guy. Really? Does yeah. he have all the trains? That's one of those few games that's like $1,000. No, because he's also a poor student. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you dare to dream. Mm -hmm. Okay, and rounding off the opening ramble, I just want to bring up something uh, that's uh, kind of tragic also, because me being a male oh, fan myself. Oh, yeah. So uh, this news came to me like uh, the day before this recording. I just want to bring it up because I'm a huge fan of the band. Uh, Vinnie Paul, uh, 
passed away. He is the drummer for Damage Plan and also one of the greatest groove metal bands of all time, Pantera. Yeah. And he is now finally reunited with his brother, uh, Dimebag Daryl. Uh, rest in peace, Vinnie Paul. Uh, I was just, I mean, like, as a teenager growing up and, you know, like, you're desperate for that angsty stuff. Yeah. Like, Pantera came to me at the right time, especially, like, um, Far Beyond Driven, definitely Cowboys From Hell. And, I mean, everybody, the go-to album for a lot of people is, like, Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah. Because it has the hits. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, I don't know, there's something magical about Cowboys From Hell, that that album. That, and this is the thing is, right, everybody remembers Pantera thinking that Cowboys From Hell was their debut. Yeah. And everybody forget the, the fact that, no, there was like three albums before where they were a hair metal band and they want every... They were a hair metal band? They were Actually, no, I remember seeing pictures of it. Oh, yeah. Philip Anselmo with the big, boofy, <laughs> blonde hair. Like, and there's the, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, yoga pant tights, uh, trousers. Oh, man. With the tiger stripes, sir. Yeah. Back in the day. You and know? those huge bulges, which were definitely not cut pieces. And the thing is, right, especially... Uh, on the, the classic song Cemetery Gates where you can hear Philip and Selmo still hit those 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 shrieks. Yeah. Hitting the, that high pitch range. It's like, oh this guy still got it. And then like later they just slowly kind of devolved. I wouldn't even say devolved. I mean maybe they saw an evolution. They grew up. I didn't say they grew up. I think they just got harder. You know what I mean? I think they discovered that okay, the, the pussy hair metal thing thing was not going to work out for them. Mm. And they decided like, you know what we need to do? We need to be ourselves. We're just four beer drinking assholes from Texas. Let's just... Le- lean hard into that. I mean... Lean hard into that, you know? And the thing is, right... That's what made Lennon Skinner work. It's like they owned the fact they were Alabama white trash. Exactly. I mean, like, when they removed all the, the spandex and started putting on the Confederate flags, it's like... That got really interested. Like, oh, hello. And to me, my first introduction to Pantera was definitely uh, from the Demon Knight movie. The first time huh? I heard Cemetery Gates. Because Pantera was I've featured on the Cemetery, soundtrack. I, yeah. I've heard Cemetery. Ooh. So I saw that music video randomly on like MTV and I'm like, who is this band? And this vocalist can wail and this guitar player can shred. I mean, one thing I want to kind of bring up is like uh, Dimebag Daryl, his riffs, those riffs, sir. Damn. Uh, but also, like, I mean more towards Vinnie Paul like I would say one of the most underrated drummers in metal ever it's one of those things where people tend to not think about too much but a good drummer can make or break a metal band I mean I would say this for Vinnie Paul he's not fast he's not technical he's not exactly like I I wouldn't call him extremely skillful but he was consistent yeah the thing is what he lacked off what he lacked in Flash he made up for in Fundamentals I mean you just literally need to hear uh, I mean one of the bigger songs Walk yeah. And it's like just how he just locks into the groove with Rex on bass. I've got human metronome. There you go. And the thing is, right, they're just like his, I would say, like superior to like guys like even like Lars Ulrich. I mean, Lars Ulrich to me would be one of the, the masters of dynamics. Yeah. Where it's like he can make a, a steady rock beat sound metal as fuck. But then you get something like Vinnie Paul. And it's like you see the work he does, especially if you listen to the entirety of like the Great Southern Tranquil album. And it's just all about, you know, as a drummer, you got keep you gotta lock in to only the timing but the rhythm but you gotta the fill in the low end yeah so I think and it, but, I mean I'm not a fan of his drum sound per se yeah because he to me was one of the first guys to do the triggered drum, uh, drum sound yeah where it sounds really digital where the bass drum just sounds too like you, I know I, mean, I think I know what you mean yeah but it's like anyway uh, a great loss I mean I understand how you feel because you know when um uh Chester um, Bennington yeah took his own life last year it took 
it hit me harder than I thought it would because mm. I'd not listened religiously to Lickerbuck in a while, but yeah. I discovered their music at just the right time. Like, you know, between breakups and uh, to, like a very stressful part of your life, you know, when you're leading up to final exams, it came at just the right time to, you know, be that galvanizing shit to kind of keep me going. Yeah. I mean, like for me, it's like my early teenage life was basically very mainstream music. I mean, like, as much as it's called alternative music, I like Nirvana, I like Pearl Jam, but there that's that's shit on the radio. Yeah. And like over here in very uh protective Singapore, like a band like Pantera is considered underground, even though mm-hmm. like I was exposed to them through MTV. Could you actually buy them in record shops or did they have to do I don't think so, because the thing is right, uh especially in the early nineties, right, uh even like a big like international chain like Tower Records will not carry the parental advisory yeah they would also probably like have the the censored version yeah because yeah. i remember buying like white zombie albums or slayer albums or even like my red hot chili peppers uh my blood sugar sex magic had a song removed wow like yeah i didn't know and the thing is we didn't have the internet to double confirm also with slayer would they just give you like a blank cd if- <laughs> here's the legend about buying slayer at our records back in the 90s in singapore uh, you you know how they would have these little uh, bookmarks that just stick out a little bit yeah. behind the CD case to show you the, the band name. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, oh cool, it's like Spoltura or this and that. Oh Slayer. Then like like oh there's no CD here, but this is huge sticker. And then some asshole who worked at Tower Records literally wrote down Slayer's band in Singapore. Ha 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 ha. Oh, I was like, fuck ah, you, dude. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you, dude. For like uh, edging me. Yeah. Es- especially my 13 year old mind. I really need to hear Rain and Blood right now. <laughs> Damn it, that's how I feel. And it was the pre-YouTube days where you can just, you know, find a bad rip mm-hmm. somewhere online. And oh, just... yeah. Remember those days where you had to wait half an hour to download what you hope was the right song? <laughs> like LimeWire and Kazaa? Yeah. Now I pay $10 a month and I get literally all the music I want. No, not all. No, I, everything that Apple wants to put on their library. I'm still on the Spotify. And Spotify still has the problem where like, oh, here's that... Artists you like, where it's finally available on Spotify, but that one album that hasn't been licensed yet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the main cool. reason why I dropped Spotify because I couldn't find Metallica for love or money. I think Metallica pulled themselves out of it, right? Yeah, after I dropped them and went to Apple. <laughs> well, you know, I own all their CDs, so yeah, no yeah. loss for me. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, that's been our opening ramble. Uh, welcome to the Last King Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything. And uh, right now, we're going to be uh, taking a quick break and then we're going to go into our main review segments where uh, two films are up on the platter. Yeah, first we're going to be talking about Book Club, which marries old women and Fifty Shades of Grey. It sounds better than how I described it, trust me. I think Fifty Shades of Grey described the women. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and of course, we'll be talking about uh, Ocean's 8. Which is a... Remake of a remake. Not really remake, more like a... Spin-off s- sequel. Spin-off right? sequel, yeah. There you go. Set in the, the Danny Ocean universe, uh, starring Sandra Bullock. The Danny Ocean universe. Yes, the Danny Ocean universe. Not the original Danny Ocean, I guess. The Doku. Mm-hmm. The Doku. <laughs> so stay tuned. And we are back, and we're going to be talking about Book Club. So welcome to The Last King's own movie club, where we talk about films. Uh, this special movie has four very special ladies. Yes, we have Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Candice Bergen. Candice Bergen. Pastor Prime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mary Steenbergen. Yep. Also, yeah. she's, she's still Pastor Prime. <laughs> and Diane Keaton. Oh, man. Diane Keaton 
didn't age up well. Like, I, I know. Yeah. The thing is, I had a crush on all these ladies at one point in my life. Like, I'm a huge fan of, like, Candice Bergen, especially, like, uh, with her very groundbreaking TV show, Murphy Brown. Back in the yeah. 80s. Mary Steenburgen, mm, I can't really remember anything she was in that I was interested in. She's definitely, I think, the youngest of the four because I feel like she was kind of bigger in the 80s, whereas mm. the other three were more, you know, 70s era. I mean, I like the fact that she was Doc Brown's girlfriend in Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. And, uh, well, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda's Jane Fonda. Uh, Fonda. <laughs> Funny enough, I only became more familiar with Jane Fonda once I discovered all these, you know, right-wing conspiracy nuts talking about how she... Um, Helped incarcerate Americans during the Vietnam War. <laughs> How did she do that? Through aerobics? I, I don't know. <laughs> but apparently she visited internment camps and uh, would, you know, reveal escape attempts or something. That's interesting. Yeah, there are a lot of right-wingers who hate Jane Fonda. No, there's also a lot of left-wingers who hate Jane Fonda and they just keep bringing up her plastic surgery. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but also at the same time. Because I do remember... Like, she's an actor in Hollywood. Of course she's going to get plastic surgery. They're all, oh man, speaking of plastic surgery, we were mentioning a, a little bit about that. But I mean, okay, the thing is, uh, let's uh, give an introduction to Book Club here, sir. So, so synopsis. Book Club, uh, the synopsis is that we have these four leads who we just described. And they're all very successful women in their own right. You know, one owns a hotel, another one became a federal judge, another one owns her own restaurant. The fourth one... I think it was just a stay-at-home mum married to a fairly successful accountant. And that's the thing, is like you always need to have the one who's just a housewife. Exactly. There you because go. Because women. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does that hit you on the head constantly throughout this entire film? No, I feel like it's it's not like uh, m- more modern movies where they're trying to say, like, ha, women, they're so great, they're so wonderful. It's like, yeah, we know, I like them too. You don't need to, you know, bite. Yeah. rub it in our face. It's more kind of just like, hey, this is for mature women doing their thing. It's a bit more reserved, but I'll get more into that later. The premise of the movie is that they have this book club, which they started when they came out of university. And it's just once a month, they'll get together, drink far too much white wine or red wine and talk about a book they've been reading. I mean, these, they've been set up to be like friends for the longest time, yeah. right? These are lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell that... It helps that you've got these four, you know, powerhouse golden girls who have been in the game for so long that they very naturally have this charisma when they're all kind of sit together. You can buy that they've been friends for so goddamn long, even though their personalities are so different because Jane Fonda is the sexed up, you know, I survived my menopause and came out fighting kind of woman where she's had, you know, work on her face and on her boobs and she still, she looks hot and she dresses hot. So she is uh, Blanche, the Rue McClanahan character from Golden Girls. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Candace is a bit more uptight. But she's got, she's a tall lady uh, in her right. And she's kind of broad shoulders. So she has this very intimidating presence, which helps as a judge. Which is literally Dorothy played by Bea Arthur from the Golden Girls. Yeah. Then you have uh, Marie, who, um, you know, she's a bit meeker. But she definitely is kind of a bit more no-nonsense. But she knows what she likes. And she's the kind of person who's been in a comfortable long-term relationship for so goddamn long that they've stopped kind of talking to each other. But they kind of just like live in parallel lives. Which is literally Rose played by Betty White from The Golden Girls. There we go. (laughs) And we have Diane Keaton who plays such a mousy character. Like she's so quiet and kind of like self-contained. And kind of like, oh, you know, I like this kind of thing, guys. Which is... Everything she done with Woody Allen, I guess. I don't know. Oh. I was about to say Estelle Getty, but no, she's nothing like uh, Sophia from Golden Girls. So, 
pretty much they wanted to make a uh, film version of Golden Girls, but I think only Betty White is still alive. That and I don't know who owns the rights. But yeah. did, does it feel that way? Because the thing is, I could definitely tell that they were going for it. Even the scenes where they have their book club, where they're all sitting around, it feels like they wanted to block it as a Gordon Girls shot, like an actual like three camera sitcom. Okay. But because it's a movie and they have, you know, the budget to have cameras, which, you know, they don't need to be on we the have, set. Yeah, we have angles. Let's yeah. go for it. So it was angled like a movie, but still set up like a sitcom set. I think I know what you mean. It's like basically when you watch like those Lifetime or Hallmark made for TV kind of movies, yeah. where it's like a TV show with a bit of a budget. It definitely has that feeling, especially when they're talking. It's got that kind of natural, like, you know, cut to this person talking, cut to this person yeah. talking, cut to reaction shot. It's like... It's got that kind of sensibility. That's which like, is it? Would you say it's very? How you say? I wouldn't say familiar. I would say more like, yeah, it's predictable. In a it's sense. practiced. It's comfortable. It's mm. easy to do. It's okay. they're not taking any risks when it comes to making this movie. There's no, you know, authorship behind the scenes. It's just like you've got a very competent director of photography, yeah. very competent, uh, competent grips, just doing their work, doing it well. You know. Then the life of uh, Zac Efron. So in a kind of sad way, it's like it's very pain by numbers in the fact that you, you see all the moves and like the thing is there's nothing there to make you think like oh they're pushing something here. Exactly. Yeah. It's selling hard on the personality and the dialogue of these four characters. Okay. Because the film gets going when Jane Fonda's character introduces introduces Fifty Shades of Grey. So I'm, this is the one thing I want to try to understand is like um, what is the real connection between the people who made this film and that book? Because the thing is. Why is such a strange tie-in, you know what I mean? Because so many bored um, uh, housewives in America in their 40s bought Fifty Shades of Grey and suddenly remembered that, uh, you know, they have sex lives. Yeah, because... Uh, like, the, the, it's more about targeting an audience rather than tying towards, you know, how the film was made. So... It's like they knew that would get the attention of the demographics that they wanted to introduce. Because now, this wouldn't be the last King podcast without a really wild tangent. Yeah. So in the movie Dracula... Okay. Based on the book. So one of the most, uh, not say notorious things about the Dracula story was mm-hmm. because uh, we have Mina yeah. and her best friend whose name escapes me right now. Ah, the one who gets Tina? bitten. Not Tina. <laughs> the blonde girl. I don't know. So. Yeah, and the one who has all these suitors mm-hmm. and who's obviously a sex pot. And I remember because basically... So we're buying into that uh, horror movie trope. No, no, no. I'm saying this, right. One of the, the things that uh, was brought up in the film mm-hmm. was, I don't know if it was hinted at in the book because I really can't remember, but she showed Mina Arabian Nights. Huh. Which is a very controversial book for that era because it was a little bit too erotic. Okay. And the thing is, like, I remember like, a lot of people, I mean, the thing is, I my history on Dracula in, in essence is because everybody was kind of like, pointed that out. It's like, oh, she's one of those sexually free women. Oh, she... Of course she's the one who gets bitten. Of course she becomes a demoness. Of course she kills babies. Mm-hmm. Because women who aren't sexually repressed like Mina, okay, these are the ones, these are the virgins who stay alive and get purified. Yeah. So I don't know what, okay, I'm sorry I had to bring up this tangent because it just reminded me of that where like a book is introduced to them and then, uh, then that, that like, If you understand the wider context, okay, fine. But at first you're like, why? And to be fair, the characters, the other three go, why the hell are we reading it? Because yeah. they all know it's a trash book. Yes. It's poorly written fan fiction. Exactly. Right. It got published with gram- grammar errors. That's how sloppy the uh, editing was. And I, I would think like for a movie, like not say if you want to be realistic, I get that maybe introducing that very specific book, Fifty Shades of Grey, is because it's within, you know, like, you know, it's 
everybody's aware of it right now. Yeah. So it's, it's a great way of throwing a fishing line out there to possibly slightly older Fifty Shades readers. Yeah, I, it, I think it's very cynically aiming to the hordes of grey-haired women who went to see the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Because if you like, were to ask me, I would think like, wouldn't these women be reading... If you wanted to do something like that, wouldn't it be more realistic if you were to do like a Daniel Steele novel? Or something... E- because but the thing is, Daniel Steele doesn't have that name recognition, whereas exactly. Fifty Shades was that thing which took everyone by storm. 50 million copies of that trash were sold. <laughs> right. I, it didn't outsell Twilight. Yes. Strangely enough, right? The yeah, fan fiction outsold the Twilight. Because Twilight was written by a repressed Mormon who was <laughs> trying to sell her twisted uh, version of like, oh, you must save yourself uh, for your man and then you're not allowed to have any personality once you get married. Exactly. And vampires are like diamonds. They, they're beautiful. Yeah. I don't they know. shine and sparkle. <laughs> Fuck that series. <laughs> Glad it's finally over and done with. Yeah. And like, this is, is this like, because the thing is, the Fifty Shades, the third movie came out quite recently, right? Yeah, it came out early this year, actually. Early this year? Fifty right? Shades Freed. And the thing is, like, none of those movies made money, yet they're still churning out these sequels. Well, the first one made a lot of money. The but second one, I would say less. It, it made money because of curiosity. Yeah. The second one was basically, it's like, it's got its diehard, and also because I guess uh, Dakota Johnson signed a contract and she wants her money. Maybe that. Also. Because she hates, um, Whoever the, uh, the girl is. Mr. Grey, right? Yeah. Uh, but have you seen the Fifty Shades movies? No. And like, I've seen the first because one. Because I know porn exists. So if I want exactly. to get my rocks <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, I think that's the thing I want to like, kind of bring up is like, yeah, like it's such a strange choice for a movie that it would have made more sense if maybe, like especially like with these kind of characters, these four elderly lady, right? Yeah. I think like, I get that maybe, sure, maybe for fun, one day we review this book that all these younger women are pining about yeah and i don't think they ever have a conversation where they're like oh this is what the younger girls are talking about no no it's, it's like something that just pure, drops on their the lap. reason why they do it is because jane fonda says right you ladies your vaginas are all shriveled up and dying i'm gonna reopen waking them i'm paraphrasing but it's kind of what she says in the movie <laughs> you know what? whatever you just said would have been way more interesting would have been a better tagline would have definitely sold tickets but it was there was something very similar. I said, I wonder what happens when, you know, vagina is so inactive and then they talk about it closing <laughs> up or falling off. It was like, what? Yeah, it's all these like old women talking about that stale, musty vagina. So, as, a, as a man in his mid-twenties, how does that make you feel? Sir? I was like, you do you girls, but it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like when you walk into your parents having a very frank conversation about it. Okay. It's like, I mean, good for you, but I don't want to be here for this conversation. Really? Do you mind if I... But, but you're more here to watch cringe it. or more awkward for you, sir? Awkward, not cringe-worthy. Like, not it was cringe? well-written and it was delivered in a way it's like, you could buy these are friends Wait, talking of, fun each other. None of them was like the too sexualized one, right? Like, ah, I'm still getting it. Jane Fonda is the hyper-sexualized one. The she's, rest are she's all... still wet, right? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Like, like a in- snail's trail everywhere she walks. Because she installed <laughs> that um, uh, saline pump. <laughs> saline pump? She's literally sitting on a Sibian as they're talking about yeah. this book. <laughs> Shout-outs to our future sponsors, Sibian. We know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> look it up, kids. Uh, don't look it up, kids. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> anyway. So once they start reading the book, uh, the other three, they start, you know, awakening a little bit sexually. So their periods start sinking. Is that uh, what you're trying to say? Well, they're all postmenopausal. So, so they'll start having hot flashes. Yeah. So <laughs> the uteruses just like start 
You know, like uh, the end of Beating the Beast where the rose reawakens? <laughs> it's kind of like that. I'm thinking more of like uh, the middle of Killing Joke where the Joker realizes Batman's back. <laughs> like, oh. ah, so I got something to do now. <laughs> yeah, because we are the three, uh, they're in various stages of not getting it anymore. Diane Keaton's character, her husband died the year before. And she's been not necessarily in mourning, but kind of like forced into being sad by herself and by her children. I mean, this is what I would say to Diane Keaton's character. Yeah. Nothing like a shovel couldn't fix. Yeah. Because rigor mortis does wonders. <laughs> <laughs> you, I knew you were going down that route and I gave you the benefit of the doubt. Thank you. And Thank still you. you disappointed me. Oh yes, you need to unearth that love, sir. I expected <laughs> nothing and I was still disappointed. What? There you go. Hey, it wouldn't be the last King podcast without at least one good rigor mortis erection joke. <laughs> no! <laughs> We've been, we've somehow managed to not touch necrophilia until this episode. Hashtag necrophilia. <laughs> there you go. Actually, having sex with any of these women is considered necrophilia. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you horrible person. Oh, yeah. Here we go again. So, anyway, these old ladies. So, <laughs> let me enjoy your joke for a second longer. There you go. Okay. Whereas, um, uh, Candice, she... What, she got divorced from her husband 18 years ago because she realized he was a boring dumb dude yeah because she got married to him because he made her laugh then she stopped making him laugh he's like okay fuck it get out of my life okay so she's been divorced for 18 years and done nothing no dating just focused hard on her job what is she uh doing like she's a federal judge okay okay so of course you can't you know feel all kind of sexy when you're meant to be you know Mm -hmm. this figure of authority passing sentence on people Mm -hmm. but at the same time, she finds out that her husband is dating again and her son is engaged. So she's kind of feeling a bit left, left out. out. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Marie, she's been with the same man for so long and he's re- just recently got retired. But since he retired six months ago, the young just stopped having sex. Okay. And so she's feeling kind of frustrated. Mm. And then over the course of the movie, they all live their own separate lives and then they slowly start Entertaining the idea of maybe knowing love and feeling the touch of a man again. Okay. Very heteronormative, but hey, what do you know? This is aimed towards old woman. Let's not start, you know, throwing in lesbian curveballs or anything. No, let's do throw in a lesbian curveball because that's what that's what happens when you go elbow deep, right? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to stop right now. No, you're not. <laughs> you're going to stop for five minutes and then, you know, you're going to unleash yourself again. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be the last game podcast if I don't go elbows deep. There we go. <laughs> and... Um, all four of them go on their own adventures. So uh, Candice opens up a Bumble account. Okay. Not That's Tinder. Bumble, it's... Isn't it cute whenever these like movies and these like, oh, we can't get the rights to use Tinder, even though they did get Tinder to yeah. know, advertise in Ocean's 8. More on that later. Mm-hmm. So they had to create this fake website thing. Yeah. Well, also Bumble, it's designed to be more female-oriented because the woman is meant to initiate the conversation. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Does it's a real thing. Oh, my bad. I thought it was like some fake No, it's, no it's, an, it's an actual app which women tend to prefer because it means they get far fewer dick pics. But this is the internet. Everybody on that is a guy. Come on. Absolutely. Every female night elf in World of Warcraft is a guy. I know. <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> I was one. <laughs> anyway, yes. Speaking of night elves. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and uh, Marie just is trying to get a bit more sexy again to kind of get Craig yeah, T. Nelson the, interested in her once again. 
Man, Craig T. Nelson. And then the, just the film progresses, and then also Jane Fonda, an old love of her life, comes to stay at her hotel. Played and by who's this guy? I can't remember his name, but he looks very familiar. Steve Martin. No, 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 no. Look, this film was made for ten million. They can't afford Steve Martin. No, they can't. Um, I, I'll probably remember a bit later, but for now, it's just you know, generic white dude. Okay. And you know, he proposed to her forty years ago, and she said no. And then ever since, she's been in loveless trysts for forty years. Okay. She just refused to let people, you know, get so close Mr. to her. So Mr. Friendzone comes back. <laughs> yep. Literally. And then he starts kind of flirting with her again. And she starts, you know lowering her barriers a little bit with him and then she realizes that oh you were there for me all this while at the very end of the movie of course and then Diane Keaton she her daughters are trying to get her to move to Arizona they will live in LA okay but they want her to move to Arizona because it's safer and they want her to be closer so they can install you know uh, geriatric friendly stuff like they're, they're really monocling her and she's still you know perfectly capable she does gardening she has her own job she's you know, entirely sane. She's, She's properly Meryl streeping it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but her daughter's like, oh no, but it's so difficult. So it's like there's a scene in the movie when they're taking her to a mall in um, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. They have to go upstairs to do some shopping. Oh, mom, stay here. Come sit down. Don't hurt yourself and sit down. And she just sits down and she sees all these other old people who are, they look like, you know, a heartbeat away from dying. Okay. Like, you know, like, you know, uh, the scene in The Last Crusade where um they see the knight <laughs> no no the, no the nazi who uh is disintegrating like half a <laughs> transformation that's what all these old people look like where the disintegrating nazis in the last crusade no i think there's raiders no um oh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh he drank the cup yeah, yeah, yes i brought from star wars there you go uh grandmaster from um grandmaster Pycelle from game of thrones yes all the masters from game of thrones walk past yeah in this scene apparently pretty much yeah. and um what was I saying? So while she's flying, she meets Andy Garcia. Mm. Remember him? I remember him. Brother of Jerry Garcia? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> no, he's not. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's great. Uh, yeah. That's a half big reference for yeah. all your fans of stoner comedies. <laughs> there we go. And uh, he starts fairly aggressively pursuing her. Okay. And then the rest of the movie is just these various women and their attempts to try and reawakened that part of their lives which was awoken by this book because okay. actually they don't spend a lot of time talking about the book all right they reference it every now and then in book club but it's more talking about their own personal lives do they actually read chapters of it to each other no but you see them reading and then you hear their voice reading the lines not not but like oh, <laughs> oh really three. yeah like uh, what? they a, can't even get no the license to have those lines in the, mm. yeah like th you know the best is a scene where um Jan keaton because she's got a fear of flying She's flying to Arizona, reading it while high on ambient, just going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, and like really? accidentally groping Andy Garcia, who's in the seat next to her. Groping him where? On a hand, like, you know, I oh, think okay, at one point yeah, she, yeah. like, you know the comedy thing, like, oh no, I fall over, oh no, my hand's in your junk. Okay. Oh no, how terribly awkward. Let's bone. Okay. Oh, did they bone on the plane? No. Mile High Club? No, 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 no. Okay. Much, much <laughs> later in the movie that they finally bone. On a plane? No. No plane. In his lovely villa in the middle of uh, the Mojave Desert where he has his own plane which they fly well, about. Oh, he is Andy Garcia. Yeah. Is he playing Andy Garcia? Or is He's playing Andy Garcia. He's playing Andy and Garcia. And also, can I... I just want to reference... There, he has his own little personal plane and they do a flying thing. It is the shoddiest fucking flying scene. Like, you know those old movies in the 40s where 
they couldn't afford to film a car driving. Uh-huh. So they just have like a running band in the background and then just like a thing, just like on a... Like I know a rocking horse, so like jocking about. Oh God, really? Yeah, they did they a do, projection. Yeah, they did a projection in a plane. Just like, oh look at that! And I felt the plane like going wobbling a little bit. <laughs> but then they mix it in with very obvious helicopter shots of the Grand Canyon of a different plane. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just I I know this was definitely you know a tight budget that they're working with. It's only yeah, ten sure. million, but it's like surely you could afford some flyby shots if you could afford that. It's not a, an expensive plane. Well, all the money went to Andy Garcia. Probably. Mm-hmm. Which makes me a bit sad. Why so? Because he wasn't that great. Like, he, was, he was more creepy than Debonair. Oh, okay. Like, they're trying to sell him as like this suave, charismatic dude. Like, oh, sexy well, Latino guy, yeah? I'm a sexy Latino. I've got a plane. I've got but a, we, a nice But bit, we nice can't afford house. Antonio Banderas, so we'll get Andy Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> Banderas would have been perfect for this because he's now all grey as well. Uh, he's the yes. perfect silver fox right now. But I guess he's too busy doing Puss in Boots. Boots, Puss in Boots 3 or something. Oh, that's good money for him, sir. Oh, for sure. Is he still married to Melanie Griffith? I don't think so, right? Mm, I, either they divorced recently or they're still together. Yeah. I don't keep up with uh, that Relationships, kind of stuff. Relationships, huh? Yeah, so that's basically what happened. I'm not going to spoil it all that much because it's not that important. Okay, but I need to know, do they finish the book, sir? Yes, they finish all three books. All three books? Yeah, they do... All th- the entire trilogy, and then the film ends with them having finished Fifty Shades Freed, and that's the third act of the movie where they finally, you know, uh, Creighton Nelson sweeps uh, Maria off her feet and they go and have sex. Like, literally drive on a bike off into the sunset to go get laid. <laughs> um, Remember to Jane pick Fonda her up with your knees, not your back, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Jane Fonda finally makes it with her, you know, long lost lover. Um, uh, the, the Mr. Friendzone. Yeah. Mm. Um, Candice uh, th- gets rid of her Bumble account and then, you know, starts going with the first guy that she goes on a date with because he was kind of cute and that scene was kind of right. sweet, but I didn't really talk about it much because it was just like, just a scene which... Just something to set up this moment. Yeah. Okay. And it was nice because she goes through a lot of other things trying to do online dating. Kind of like, you know, Hang the DJ, that right. bit where they're not together and like seeing various people. It's yeah, that yeah. kind of montage. So... In essence, like basically, like this movie advertises exactly what it is it's trying to do, and yeah. you get exactly what you're expecting. Yeah, and in it, the, in the movie's favor, like I said, yeah, all the actors, fantastic job. I of mean, course, yeah. I'm not saying that you know this is challenging roles, but they've got this kind of easy grace where they're talking about these kind of things. Like even Jane Fonda, who's a sex stop. Um, Gilf at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's with two G's. Yeah, she still has this kind of classy element about her. Like, you know Dude, the, it's Jane Fonda. Yeah. Like they're all so wonderful to watch together. There's yeah. the, there's an easy kind of charisma where I feel like they've been friends mm-hmm. in real life as well. Probably. They probably actually do have a book club right now. Yeah. But what else are gonna do? <laughs> and everyone else is fairly serviceable. I would say the next best is Craig T. Nelson because he perfectly sells Mr. Incredible himself. Huh? <coughs> yeah. The guy who <laughs> retires and suddenly he doesn't know what to do because forty years of his life is just gone and mm-hmm. he's got nothing left. So he's getting, you know, a third life crisis. Third quarter crisis. <laughs> it's time for you to fill out the bucket list, sir. Exactly. So the main issue I have with the movie is that I feel like they could have tried a bit harder with the raunchiness. That's Be- what's lacking, right? Because the thing is, yeah. if you introduce something like Fifty Shades of Grey, you would expect maybe... Because like- it's about BDSM. Like, okay, BDSM yeah. lights, obviously written by someone who's never done BDSM before. Okay. 
but still kind of like this is the adventurous kind of sex and it's just it's just like cattle prods and nipple clamps yeah not the real hardcore stuff where you know gas masks and, and bleeding yeah <laughs> what are we talking about speaking from what people told me not from experience yeah uh, I'm just gonna close that door <laughs> anyway oh close the door thank you sir mm-hmm. <laughs> and shut the curtains while you're at it <laughs> so no I'm not open I'm I'm oh, an exhibitionist. Okay. You're an exhibitionist. <laughs> there you go. Yes, boys and girls, we're doing this totally naked right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Assless chaps. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, any, I just need to ask you, do we have any saggy granny flapjack titties? No. No? That's the thing. There's, they never get nude. Kind of, no. Like the closest we have is when Candace, you can kind of see the spank she's wearing because the dress she's trying on kind of falls apart. Yeah. But it's not... You know, you don't know if she takes off her spang, she's just gonna fall into the ground as a pile of bones and skin, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Candice Bergen, I'm a fan. <laughs> right, we're harsh, we're harshest to those we love. Exactly. You were Murphy Brown, goddammit. Absolutely. But it's just like, it feels safe. It feels like they actually got, you know, yeah. your average grandma from the streets to act in these movies. Mm. Where it's like, you don't want to say anything too racy to them because like oh clutch my pearls you need to go see Jesus like, no these women were sex icons in their day yeah most of them and who wasn't I think Mary Stimbergen I don't remember her as a sex icon no but you know she definitely had her sexy moments in the 80s and 90s well she was again Doc Brown's girlfriend that's all I can really remember her yeah. as yeah well, no, she was very good looking in you know Back, Back to the Future, future Part 3? three yeah. oh, of course, with the bustier and that extra ass. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Uh, ooh, they ride those frills. <laughs> they ride side saddle. Because <laughs> she's a lady. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, but, but that's the thing. It's that element. Like They are a bit crass to each other, but this was rated NC-16 in Singapore. Do you think there's an R version that exists that... God, I hope so. No, there's all four of them in the jacuzzi with wine and just like yeah. rubbing themselves in a nice <laughs> chapter. What, the hardcore tripping section? The there you go. Up. Yeah. I would have loved the moment. Like, the thing is, like, you would see something like even The Shape of Water where there you go, that's what a lonely woman does. Yeah. Like, in the first five minutes, she's just hardcore uh, flicking the beans. Like, oh, it's this kind of movie. That's what you call it? Flicking the beans, sir? Yeah. Well done, sir. <laughs> but it's just like, for the subject matter that they have, you I know feel what I like, call it, sir. Yeah, rubbing the nubbin. Yeah, of course you do. Of course I do. <laughs> but that's my point: is that this is a movie where they are challenging the status quo. They are yeah. saying they're hinting women, at it, but they don't do yeah, it. Yeah. All the women are allowed to feel sexy and want to have sex and feel loved, and like they're still active people. Yes. But this movie pulls back from that just enough because they don't offend them, right? Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. They're, they're afraid of, you know triggering the senses which no longer exists. Yeah, especially in this day and age because it's like, I think it would be very nice because remember that uh, action movie with old people? Red. Red, yeah. There you go. And it's like, it could work because the thing is, right, it's not really about like, no, I mean, yeah, granted, you don't need to really show tit and ass but at the same time, have them talk about it a little bit more in detail. Yeah, and you don't need to like show tit and ass but you could show leg, you could show like, you know, the dangerous cut in the dress or something. Or you like, can show literally a full frontal Fifty Shades of Grey. You could. And, uh, <laughs> Shout out to these women's pu- puberty. Ooh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to stop right now. But no, I'm not. That's the thing. It's like, it's too safe for what it's trying to be. Yeah, I get it. And again, this is aimed towards a more mature audience. This is for women in their early 40s to late 50s. That's yeah. definitely aimed towards my mother. 
flashback. Literally, your mother. Yeah, I could see my mother definitely getting something out of this movie. Yeah. Even though she would probably criticize the choice of uh, Fifty Shades because she's very much a book snob. She'll probably be more like, they should have read, like, you know, Marquis de Sade or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a deep cut. There you go. There's <laughs> Shout outs to a 18th century pervert. And probably one of my favorite authors, too. <laughs> that's so much about you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't explain anything. It, I, it would be surprising if I didn't mention Marquis de Sade. Actually, yeah. So... Okay, how about this? Instead of reading a sexy Marquis de Sade book, maybe, I don't know, Sodom and Gomorrah? Would that be more interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but hellfire and brimstone? And that's what gets me excited. <laughs> nice, nice red hot poker up your ass. There you go. That's what gets you going in the morning. <laughs> exactly. My orgies all look like a hieronymus Bosch painting. Ooh. Everybody gets eaten out and eaten. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Sorry, sorry to derail. But it's fine because I've come to the end of it. I mean, it's... I didn't hate it. I had fun. Mm. I even laughed. There's a scene where um, Marie slips Viagra into Crazy Nelson's uh, drink, and on the drive home, they and get then his arm gets stiff. No, they get, <laughs> they get pulled over because he's driving erratic because she's like keeps on touching his junk because okay. he's a bit drunk. And then the women, please, when a man is driving, leave her. A dick's alone until we park. Yeah, please. Yeah. Because then the female cop asks him to get out of the car and he does and it's just this huge boner and it's just like, drive safely, sir. Have a nice evening, sir. And you too, ma'am. Wink. <sighs> and then when he come back home, he still got it and he's trying to storm off in a huff but he hits his dick on the corner of the island. It's an island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we've, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like such a visceral like ah kind of it was probably the funniest part of the movie seeing a guy get his dick slammed literally mm -hmm. and there are plenty of like funny moments but kind of like a chuckle like ha 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 not outright tears yeah, of laughter yeah, yeah. so it's just it's too so safe it doesn't really work as a comedy it doesn't no. really work as uh... I mean it works fine as a comedy but mm -hmm. it's just like they had the opportunity to, yeah, sell to a more mature audience, but yeah. really have something to say about older female empowerment because it's very true. Often, especially if you're a female actor mm -hmm. in Hollywood, once you hit 35, you might as well just disappear because you'll get no roles unless you're a producer or unless, you know, you're happy playing mums or grandmas for the rest of your life. Or you can start in Ocean's 8. Yeah. <laughs> more on that Segway. later. <laughs> more on that later. I, you know, it's very easy to disappear. So it's important to have these movies where they can say you still have it if you have the confidence. But they're just shy of really pushing that to what they could do. Yeah, okay. I mean, if anything, it's like, we can't really promote mediocrity. And no. also at the same time, it's like, you know what? You had all this opportunity to push and you didn't. You decided to play it safe. So yeah, tell you what, you get the safe review score also, I guess. Yeah, so this is, I would say, five and a half yeah yeah so don't uh, go out of your way to watch it but if it does appear on netflix or yeah something, i mean maybe i check got it to out. see it thank you very much to Shaw once again for helping us up yeah uh so i didn't have to pay to watch it <laughs> of course but like i need to ask you how does this fit in the 50 shades canon uh <laughs> is it part of the same universe uh speaking as someone who has never read the, that peeping pile of yeah, it's quite bad. I read yeah. the first one. It's like, really, this exists. Yeah, no, because there's much better fan fiction out there. True that, you know. But, I mean, I read it because it's like the same reason people read the Da Vinci Code. Mm -hmm. Like The same reason I read the Da Vinci Code. Like, everybody's reading and talking about it. Okay, I need to be part of the conversation. I remember reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and thinking to myself, like, 
Man, this is not that hardcore. I don't know why everybody's t- trying to tell me that this is like, and then like, well, it's because it's all selling to you know all these women who repressed women, huh? Apparently, yeah, they married a high school sweetheart, had three kids, and then stopped having sex five years ago. Right. So they have nothing but to sit at home alone. And suddenly they read this book, and then they start eyeing up the cucumber in the. But the here's a strange thing. It's like, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's quite known that. 60, 50 to 60% of people who go to porn sites are women. They're watching just as much porn as guys. So it's yeah. like, I'm trying to understand, like, who's buying all these books? It's, again, it's the repressed older women. Like, younger women now are far, far more mm. in touch and wi- and open and embracing their sexuality and their okay. sex drive. And, you know, fucking awesome. But I think it's just like, it's that weird, like, you know, the people, there who, is grew a demographic up, the right, people yeah. who grew up in the 70s and 80s where I feel like it was a bit more like, you know, hardcore, Jesus says no, kind of, you know, constraining you. Because, like, that's exactly why I brought up the Dracula reference. Because yeah. the thing is, like, when uh, they brought up another book within the book, which is uh, Arabian Nights. Yeah. And the thing is, right, if you do read Arabian Nights, it's like, sure, oh, hey, it's the tale of Aladdin and Alibaba. And there's some sexiness in it. Yeah. But the thing is, is right. Oh, but for that time, that must have been really erotic. Like, especially when you describe the way they're dressed. Yeah. Or describe the way that, you know, in the, the hot desert sun, like, eh, a little bit of clothing. Mm. But also, like, okay, so is Fifty Shades of Grey the marker for what is, conser- is considered controversial sexiness for this day and age? I think no. No, I think... I There's think far worse books that exist. For certain people, it is... It's for mm. the people who don't go into the self-published section of Amazon. Because <laughs> people who don't go to that part of Reddit we don't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> or like the sexy dinosaur books I showed you earlier. <laughs> sexy dinosaurs are my favorite. Or the ones who never... T-Rex with tits. I didn't know I wanted that so much. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Shout out to that, that fucking podcast. treasure of a podcast. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's, they're coming back again in August. I'm so excited. There's going to be another book? Yeah. Don't stop writing, sir. Yeah. Rocky Flintstone, please just keep writing until your heart gives out. No, no, he has to star in that book. He has to appear <laughs> as himself. Here I am, Rocky it's Flintstone, writing this porno. It's coming. Oh, there, we go. there you go. So I would say this, right. If you had the choice to remove Fifty Shades of Grey, because the thing is, right, I think the one disservice to this film is that... Is the leaning heart... Well, not even leaning heart, but they are using It's a throwaway reference, I would yeah. say. Yeah, but... Like, it, they, it's far too much in a movie to be a throwaway mm-hmm. but it's not in it enough to really add to the plot it's more just like it's like the Chekhov's gun kinda yeah but I, I wouldn't even say it's a Chekhov's gun because does it really play into the ending that it's essential it does because oh. especially in the free uh, when they get to Fisher's free they actually use the well, text uh. of it to say huh, she's willing to be happy especially for Diane Keaton she chooses to be happy that's her final arc because like, I'm thinking right this isn't so much that the director wanted to write a story about four women who love Fifty Shades of Grey. This is probably somebody from the Fifty Shades. He wanted Shades. to write a Golden Girls film and couldn't get the rights. I'm thinking more like this is somebody from the Fifty Shades camp who's like, we need to get attention on our books again. We can't target the younger ladies because apparently the movies are crap. Yeah. Let's maybe target the actual older ladies who read our book and make a movie about them. Because when I saw the marketing and I saw the advertising, it's like, that's what it feels like to me because it's very specific that they chose this book. Yeah. And it's very specific they chose these specific actresses. So, you know, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory, but I'm saying it's like, this is literally a very, I don't know, it's a very insincere movie. You know, there wasn't really a story that needs to be told here. I would, I wouldn't, sincerity, I think maybe it's insincere in how it was created, but I Mm. feel like how it 
how it was produced. Yeah, I would say the sincerity comes from these four actors who, you know, we're nothing but class and brevity from them. Exactly. Mm. So they definitely elevate what would have been a very subpar movie without their performances. So this is why I want to ask you again, like, because it's pretty obvious that, yeah, if you replace the book with anything, the movie would still have worked because yeah. of the quality of these actresses. Yeah. So what would you replace Fifty Shades of Grey with? Uh, some hardcore Harry Potter erotica. <laughs> Which wouldn't make sense because I remember taking my son to these movies, Diane Keaton says, and yeah. she's like rubbing herself in the jacuzzi, <laughs> reading this hardcore Hermione erotica. Voldemort has no nose. What does that mean? He can't hold his breath. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's not a wand. <laughs> what did they call him? Dumbledore. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm writing a fan fiction Wait right now. Wait till we get to the part where Hagrid has his way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm not just pushy on the outside, Harry. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> and so am I. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You're a twink, Harry. Now bend over. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's that game they play? Quidditch, right? Yeah. What's that little golden thing you have to catch? The snitch. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> Absolutely not. Where was it this entire time? <laughs> Speaking of uh, not saying any more, we're moving on from um, Book Club. Okay. And we're going to be talking about the other movie which came out. Oceans 8. Yes, the spin-off that we didn't want or ask for, but still exists for yeah. some reason. It's basically like, oh, Sandra Bullock still wants to do something. Oh, Gravity didn't make money. Yeah. We can't do the blind side too, right? No, because like the dude's still successful and he retired well <laughs> enough. He hasn't got concussion, so you know. But I mean like, I think is okay, I need to preface all of this because um here I have my high school crush, Sandra yeah. Bullock, Miss Congeniality. I mean I've loved her since Speed, since Demolition Man. Yeah. Even that really weird fire in the Amazon. Like she, she had that moment where she okay, was yeah. like in some movie and I saw her like topless, like, hmm, cool. Hmm. I'll I'll follow this. And the thing is, like, I've seen her career go through quite a bit of an arc because I'm a huge fan of Blindside. I'm a huge yeah. fan of like all her dramatic works. I remember that in one year, she won both an Academy Award and a Razzie. There you go. Yeah, that was 2007, I think. I think Halle Berry also did something similar. No. Oh, no. no. She she did Monster Ball and Catwoman very like, close together, right? Yeah. Because hmm. uh, Swordfish was a few years before. Oh, Swordfish was garbage. But yeah. she, she won for that, right? No, we won for that. We saw her tits. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and of course, uh, Clay Blanchett, who is uh, my favorite Gorgeous. Marvel uh, villain <laughs> ever still. Still? Yeah. I more than so. Thanos? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I want to see more she's of She's my Hera. second, I think. The thing is, I'm, 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 I'm going to be... I'm going to hedge my bets because I know Infinity War Part 2, yeah. Avengers 4, is going to be terrible. Uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like... Remember how cool Darth Vader was before the prequels? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Nah, okay, I don't know. But uh, enough with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Catwoman yeah. <laughs> is going to wear some jewels. Okay, so here's the synopsis for Ocean's 8. Um, besides, Sandra Bullock needs work. Yeah. Uh, Steven Soderbergh also loves producing. Yeah, because <laughs> it's know. he's not directing or writing this time around. It's nah, he's just basically giving, you know, license. Gary Ross uh, the keys. So... I'm not very familiar with Gary Ross's work. I'm not familiar with him either, but his name is familiar. I think he's done maybe TV before. Mm, okay, I don't I don't Or maybe a smaller anything. movie. So the thing is, is like this is really not based off um, his uh, credentials. No. It's more based off like we have Sandra Bullock, we have Kate Blanchett. Okay, and uh, these two, okay, as we were discussing earlier, like, there's going to be a, par a, a point in a female actress's life where 
a you don't get the sexy roles anymore. Yeah. And you gotta do stuff like this. Because like remember there was a time maybe five years ago where like, oh remember all those hot actresses from ten years ago? They're all playing old ladies or witches now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh okay, Angela Jolie. Yeah, that was, was old but but even before that, she played a mother married to Matt Damon in that uh, CIA thriller. God, I can't remember the name. It's about the Bay of Pigs. Ends she, with uh, them throwing a black woman out of a plane. She played Colin Farrell's mother in Alexander. Fuck. Right. Remember that? that? <laughs> well, fuck that movie, but you know. Mm, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay. I mean like, oh, and then you'll see like somebody like Winona Ryder playing yeah. a mother. And it's like, for a guy like me, seeing like, you know, your high school, like your young man, you know, you're growing up like, oh, look at these women you're crushing on. Yeah. And you see them age out. And then like, I see like Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock is like, she's a fantastic actress. And it's like, to me, throughout this entire movie, the one thing that is like kind of hanging at the back of my head is basically like, yeah, you can do better. Huh? You too, Kate Blanchett. Both of you can do so much better than yeah, this. Yeah, because Kate Blanchett is just one of those uh, actors who elevates anything she's in. God damn her. Like, remember her in The Aviator? Yeah. Like doing Catherine Hepburn perfectly. It's like, God damn. And she made Blue Jasmine function. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she made Woody Allen tolerable. And like, okay. And the thing is, like, it's going to be very unfair, but we will compare this to the movie that it spawned from. No, it, it won't. It's not unfair because they're we setting off to. as a spin-off. So, you know, you're going to be yeah, judged against one of the better modern heist movies and here's the problem too because the thing is like for the very beginning they try to do a note for note uh yeah because they open with her getting parole same way that we are introduced to danny ocean in the first oceans 11 and that's the problem all of a sudden when a film especially something like this especially something where it's marketed towards like okay we're doing an all girls version and we're gonna do something bigger better classier than the guy version yeah and then all of a sudden like oh hey we're hitting the same notes first it's like, don't do that. Do it your way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't like, lean in on what was already established before. And I also kind of appreciate the fact that, okay, at first I appreciated it. Then I kind of like disliked it because it's like, they immediately establish, um, is Danny Ocean going to show up? Nah, he's dead. Yeah. Because is that a spoiler? No, right? No. Well, I mean, we're going to go full blown spoiler because... Probably. Because, yeah, we, we don't care talk about, about the heist. Yeah. And we don't care enough about this movie to, like, you Not know, much. say, wait and see. Like, the, the film ends with what I felt like was a lead-up to a Danny Ocean cameo. Because I felt like, because she kept on kind of hinting that she doesn't think he's actually dead. You better be in there, she said. Yeah. That. Yeah. So. But then we have, like, Elliot Gould's character who yeah. just pops out of nowhere and, like, yeah, he's gone. I, I, I just needed to see you. I just need to get collect my check and leave this scene now. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was also like, the most stupid throwaway scene. <laughs> like, also, Elliot Gould. You have literally 11 people to choose from and he chose him. Dude, we got the acrobat. We couldn't even get a Don Cheadle to appear in this. I mean, we couldn't even get a Matt Damon or a Brad Pitt to appear in this. Heck, George Clooney and... I mean, you could have gone Casey Affleck before Manchester by the Sea blew up. (laughs) Yes, you could have, right. Anyway, uh, well, okay. I mean, let's just go straight into the synopsis. So, uh, Deborah Ocean comes out of prison with probably her biggest score she enlists her close friend who later we discover is her ex-lover well, Kate Blanchett I character. feel like it's more of an unrequited lover I, I don't really? I don't know I if thought they, they kind of hinted at like they, the two of them were really tight with doing the bingo I, scans well, they were doing tight but I feel like uh, she just had a close female friend and whereas mm. I think maybe uh, Blanchett's character was a bit more kind of like she has feelings but she doesn't want to 
say it. She's, she cares, but she's also a bit of an ice queen, so she's conflicted. Exactly. Mm. And then we have nothing but stunt casting after that. Yeah. And, I mean, they all do a fairly solid job because I would say mm. Mindy Kaling is a fairly consistent... And she plays the, the jewelry... The jeweler. What do you call a person who like validates jewels? There's uh, a word for that. There right? is a word for that, but I don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, we just I'm, call the jeweler from now on. Yeah, I'm betraying my Belgian roots by not knowing that. that it's a Belgian thing? Yeah, have you heard of the Antwerp diamond trade? No. It, most of the world's diamonds go through Antwerp. Oh, okay. Yeah. But from Africa. With but blood yes, on hands. Yes, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, blood cleaning service. It's very important. There you go. Blood cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and also, we have also, you know, speaking of stun casting, we have Rihanna, yeah, Aquafina, who I am not aware of at all. Yeah, I, I'm at least aware of Rihanna because you can't escape that umbrella song. Yeah, you, but you can't escape that booty though. And you can't. Oh, and she looks good. In this. She looks so, especially when she wears that dress. Yeah. Oh boy. What do the children say? Oh, thick with double yeah. C's. She she is <laughs> thick with a double C and. Mm-hmm. She's in her late 20s now, so that's like expiration date almost in the Hollywood scene. And oh. she looks, <laughs> I don't agree because she looks fine as fuck. Much better than when she was starting out. But when I would she was say like a like, young girl. Like remember her previous movie role where she was like a tank, like a battleship? She was Vasquez in Battleship. No, she wasn't. Nobody they, could ever she be She wanted Vasquez. to be Vasquez. Yeah, they tried to write her to be one. But you know what, Rihanna? I don't think dreads work on you, but yeah, I can... It looked fine. The main thing I was disappointed in is that she didn't lean hard into her Bahamian. Like, I wanted to have like a proper thick Bahamian accent rather than, you know, the Americanized way she talks nowadays. But then again, she wasn't really paid to act. She was just paid to appear in this picture. That's true. And the thing is, right, yeah, okay, she's supposed to play the hacker. Mm-hmm. Hackers don't use trackballs. They don't. We, they, uh, not we, I mean, <laughs> hackers <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. We all understand uh, the functionality of a good mouse. <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, like, but also again, um, you know what, she didn't really need to do much. She just needed to just like, no, uh, finger some keys and just yeah. explain what she's like looking at on the screen. Also, it's quite telling that uh, when they had to do the plant in the security uh, offices, yeah. where they need to get a cleaner to go in and do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, they choose the black girl to do it. Well, they had two to choose from. Mm. Did they? Yeah, they had the sister, but she just oh, yeah. walked in for a hot second just yeah. to explain to them. She was the Deus Ex Machina. There's a lot of Deus Ex Machinas in this yeah. movie, so okay, there's nothing I want to bring I up. I mean, that's probably the youngest magical mystical Negro we've had in cinema. Mm, I would say so. There you go. <laughs> and at least she's a woman too. Exactly. Hey. We're progressive in our regressive um, uh, Hollywood cliches. So that's the thing. It's like, I want to say this. Uh, this movie, unfortunately, does not pander to progressive enough for it to be entertaining for me. Yeah. And also at the same time, it does nothing for heist movie, films in general. It does nothing for me on any level. I watched this and I thought to myself like, yeah, this is so by the numbers, boring and uninspired and predictable I mean like okay the only kind of highlight for me for the entire film was definitely Anne Hathaway hamming it up oh yeah because Anne Hathaway got the chance to pretend to be the spoiled actress that we all think she is and unfortunately unfortunately she's not she's very working class yeah apparently is like you know people think of her as some like porcelain princess this frou-frou uh and yeah. like you, you, you watch her interviews, she's fucking down to earth and actually yeah. a pretty nice person. So, uh. Which annoys me because I want to dislike her. Uh, they, okay, you can really dislike her because she treats her husband like shit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but not in a bad way. In a, in a very cute way. Which like, oh man, that'd be so annoying. Uh, I mean, I, I could definitely, um, you know, buy into that. Oh, well. And um, 
Well, let's start with probably the biggest problem I have with Ocean's 8. This movie doesn't need to exist. No, it's... If it had not been an Ocean's spin-off, if it had been its own thing, I think we might be a bit kinder to it. I would have been a lot kinder to it because, like, you know, then I would, like... At least it didn't have the baggage of, oh, like, you are talking about Ocean's Eleven, one of the best heist movies slash remakes ever. Like, that's Steven Soderbergh firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And you have this. And the thing is, right, the Ocean's Eleven series got watered down very quick with the sequel, like, which is... Ocean's Twelve was pretty was bad. was garbage. I hated they, Ocean's Twelve. They kind of redeemed it in 13, but it was still, like... But it, they didn't need to do much to redeem themselves in 13. Yeah. And I did kind of like uh, how they just had fun with it, especially when yeah. they introduced, like, items like the Gilroy. Yeah. Which is, like, this thing, like, any woman will be attracted to you if you wear this cologne. Okay. And that huge fucking nose that on they Matt made Damon, which I just giggled my ass off. Because like I understood, like at least with Ocean's Thirteen, it was like you know what they're having fun. They're gonna probably go for the bang. They're never gonna do this ever again because they've made the money and probably contractual obligations to studio. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like you know, I mean, we mentioned this before. It's like studios like go rifling through the roller decks. Like, what properties do we have that we can throw out there? Yeah, I mean, what is especially egregious that there's probably some young writer wrote a spec script for his idea of a heist movie but yeah. with women and it was just like circling around like, but this was written by the director Gary Ross uh, but, well I mean so he yeah. wanted to tell this story and he yeah. directed it so I was thinking more along the lines of I think he saw Ocean's Eleven and he said like you know what I can do a similar heist movie and instead of them stealing like from a casino we're going to steal jewels. From the Met Gala. From the Met Gala. Which I only realized this year is an actual thing that exists. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite aware of the Met Gala. I, I don't pay any attention to fashion, so that's why I just didn't care. No, okay. But I, um, and, if anything, and then Zidane wore that chain, met, that, uh, chain mail thing. I was like, oh, I should really pay attention now. <laughs> yes, you love your fashion medieval, huh, sir? But she looked like goddamn Joan of Arc learns to, you know, let loose a little bit. <laughs> Okay, and, well, where was I going with this? So, basically, Mr. Gary Ross, okay, director of this film, hmm. probably had an idea, and he was probably pitching it around Hollywood, and then he thought to himself, okay, this, this script is not going to get sold. I need to kind of make it more, I don't know, executive-friendly. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, tell you what, it's set in the Ocean's universe. These are like, I probably, I can imagine this. These are like the younger brothers. Yeah. Or these are like, you know, friends of Danny Ocean. Or these are like side characters. And it's all part of this Or thing. maybe it started with like their children. Yeah, because like the, the son is, of Danny Ocean. Exactly. Because especially when you do spin-offs right now, I think what executives love to hear because Marvel's making all this amazing like Marvel money yeah. is when you throw the word universe. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that he pitched it as an Ocean's universe. Absolutely. And all of a sudden is like, probably some executive is like, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't... We can't... We, we, are you trying to tell me we need to replace the most charming men alive, imaginable. We, we're talking about a movie where we need to step out of the shadow of George Clooney, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt, Matt, Matt Damon, Damon, Don Cheadle, all these assholes is like, you know, how are you going to get that? You know what? We can't get guys. We'll get girls. Yeah. That's probably what happened. We'll get Sandra Bullock. We'll get Sandra Bullock because you know what? She's going through a lot right now and she yeah. could use the money. <laughs> like she has to pay off that last uh, uh, plastic surgeon. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. It's it, like, that's the thing. I, I it, don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to judge, I don't but I can it. see it. Yeah. I'm not, we're not being judgmental, but it's just... It's unfortunately clear, especially when I feel like her facial expressions felt a bit like... plastic -y. No. Held together with tape. <laughs> like, it was far... I... 
far less dynamic than, for example, Gravity. Yeah. Where in Gravity, she definitely looked like everything was falling apart and she was just going crazy with desperation to survive. But I mean, like, did Gravity make money? Kinda, right? It, I mean, it, it, not, it made enough money for the directors to keep making movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it funded him to make Revenant, so... Mm. No, sorry, I'm getting confused. Um, the other guy. The other Mexican director. <laughs> the two are very similar in uh, directorial style. It's very hard to tell them apart. I'm not going to fault you on that. I think he did Birdman, right? No, again, that's the guy who did Revenant. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The guy yeah. who did Birdman, he, that's what funded the Revenant, right? Yeah. So and what did Gravity fund? I can't remember. I don't think Quaron's done anything recently. Yeah, because the thing is, he did amazing work. I mean, I love his films. I love Children of Men. I love Gravity. He made the best Harry Potter movie. You think? Yeah, the third one. Well, I haven't seen all of them, sorry. Because he actually made a good movie and then added Harry Potter into it. Yeah, there you go. Because the first two were made by Christopher Columbus, who's a hack. Shh, careful. I'm a fan. I love his 80s stuff. His, his made-for-kids stuff is Okay, he's, he's a hack in the 2000s. There you go. <laughs> he's a hack in the universe. Yeah. In the Harry Potter universe. He's a hacky Potter. Yeah, anyway, there we go. So, uh, well, another thing is, is like, uh, one thing I have that I really want to complain about, mostly, especially when it comes to movies like this, right? I mean, and I do this all the time, and I know it's me being a broken record, but it's like, better versions of this exist. Yeah. And you can't sell me an all-girl version and tell me that if you don't like this, then, you know, like, oh, you're not being supportive. Yeah, because it's not that it's because it's women, it's worse. Because, I'll be honest, I feel like in some ways, the acting here is stronger than the later Ocean's movies. Well, it's very obvious that in at least in Ocean's 12 and 13, they were just phoning in. They didn't yeah. care. Whereas here, because, you know, Kate Blanchett is, you know, being Kate Blanchett. Yeah, being Kate Blanchett. And Sandra Bullock, even in her trash movies, she tries. And I feel like... Uh, I think that's where she shines because I really yeah. liked her in Miss Congeniality 1 and no, 2. No, Miss Congeniality is not... It, it's a B movie. I'm talking about actual trash, like the thing she did with um, uh, Ryan McCarthy? Reynolds. Well, that movie? The yeah. Proposal? Yeah. I like that movie. It's a terrible movie. I know. I'm a fan. I love Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Put them two together, they kind of get naked and wet. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, there was that movie, The Heat, with Melissa McCarthy. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was kind of like, that was oh, the oh. first time where I felt like I really can't sit through this. Uh, the main thing, <laughs> the main thing I remember about that movie is that when they released the tr uh, the posters, and uh, Melissa McCarthy had this weird giraffe neck. <laughs> really? Like, they made a thin oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. extended her neck. I was just like, she looked like uh, the Kaminoans uh, from uh, Star Wars. Was that a fight two. movie? No, right? It was. It was a bounty hunter movie kind of thing. I can't remember. No, I mean, like, was it Ke was Kevin Feige or what's the guy who did Bridesmaid? That's, that's him, right? Kevin yeah, Feige? because I think he's... Was he involved in the heat? Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because the thing is, right, I, I, of course I have to bring him up because we all love the all-girl version of Ghostbusters. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is, like, we are uh, right now in the pop culture landscape kind of in that mode where, like, oh, an all-girl version of anything is not really a good idea. Unless you do an all-girl version of Mad Max, which would be a great idea. It already happened. There it's called go. Mad Max Fury, Fury Road. Because it's like, yeah, I like that a lot. So it's like, it's not really about making it all-girl. It's about, oh, the very basics of filmmaking or storytelling, compelling characters, and a good plot. Yeah, and the main thing is that people are going to say, oh, but it's progressive because it's all these women kicking butts and, you know, being good friends. The f start of the movie is Deborah Ocean... Doing a Danny Ocean. Yeah, stealing makeup and clothes. And a hotel room. Yeah. Because, cool. <laughs> and then she goes and has a bath with a glass of 
a, a red glass of red wine. It's like and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, it's like <laughs> try a little bit fucking harder to yeah. Like, if you're going to you know wear the progressive badge, fucking wear it. Don't you know half-ass it because then we can see your uh, disingenuity. You know, clear as day. I mean, disingenuity aside, okay. Disingenuity, the product placement. Oh, cool. Oh, God, Subway. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I just changed their uh, tagline from uh, "Eat Fresh" to uh, "Plan your heist openly." We don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Talk about things in the open, and uh, well, okay. Let, let's also get to the nitty gritty of it. Right? Oh, and uh, if you want product placement, how about uh, Sarah Paulson's garage, <laughs> where we've got Keurig, Soda Stream, <laughs> like every major brand, and a bit of Louis Vuitton in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or about Cartier, who provides the diamonds to be yeah, stolen. Cartier. Cartier. I found th- okay. I found that a little bit annoying uh, because nobody can pronounce French. Oh. Uh, French is a hard part. No, it's not. And you then Helena Bonham Carter was like, "No, it's not." <laughs> yeah, because like, she just rattles up. Actually, I would say that props to her for pulling off an Irish accent. It wasn't comedic. It was like the nice, soft kind where you feel like they. Where actually- is she from originally? But she's UK, right? Yeah. Mm. Bonham Carter, but I think she is she probably naturally Irish. No, I've never heard. Her. She might be part Irish, but she's definitely full-blown English. You know, I'll be very embarrassed if we discover that she's Welsh or something. Because like, okay, Helena Bonham Carter is like one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, like not only can she do Marla Singer from Fight Club, she can play a monkey, sir. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> she was my favorite one in Planet of the Apes, the lousy one. Mm-hmm. And mm, well, okay, I don't want to meander and uh, go around the the hedge a little bit too much here. But let's okay straight away talk about what I think is the biggest problem with this movie. Yeah, as a heist movie, it fails everywhere. Like the heist itself was not thrilling at all. It was bare bones, competently designed in and a way felt, that it yeah. felt like movie movie heist wise. I feel like they ticked the right kind of boxes, but they didn't put in the effort. Yeah, it was like like what well, we need to have this clever part. We need to have that clever part. And I think most of the time it felt like the director was like, oh, I'm so clever for figuring out a way around this. But to me, it felt more like, no, you're not. You're just, you know, adding more deus ex machinas. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we need a special magnet to unclasp the, the necklace. Oh, yeah. The one part where you feel like, oh, there's a issue here. Like, the, because heist movies only work when stuff starts to go wrong. And they're amazing when nothing goes right. That's yeah. the problem. Where it all falls apart and, and it's still just able... To, yeah, it's up to your, your wits and your ability to you know, uh, come out. Uh, I mean, okay, the, the, the problem with that scene, especially with the magnet clasp thing, is like, yeah. oh... It was luck- solved so quickly. Not just that. So coincidentally, like Rihanna's sister... Oh, I have a sister who can figure this out because... Yeah. Yeah. We have the most expensive uh, piece of jewellery ever and it got uh, outsmarted by a 14-year-old black girl who yeah. has lots of satellites on her balcony. Who was able to tell what it was by one poorly filmed uh, From an iPhone, iPhone video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. And it's like, okay, that moment happened to me. I felt like, okay, um, this movie's going to probably suffer from a lot of lazy writing. And it got even lazier when after the heist is complete. And usually the best thing about a heist movie is not only once, it's not just how the job is done, but the aftermath. Like yeah. Then comes the amazing chase sequence where you need to escape with the goods. And okay, the best they can do, uh, we'll send them James Corden. Yeah. And like he eventually just ends up being like, you know, oh, I need to make sure the ending arrives on time. So exactly. I'm not going to really chase after you. It was... It felt like they were drawing out the inevitable conclusion. Yeah. And 
to the movie's credit, they didn't make him bumbling, which okay. is, I feel like, it will be easy to do because he's not, you know, the slimmest gentleman. Okay. And he has a history of playing slightly incompetent people in the past. Like, Gavin Estates is based on him being, you know, kind of a sloppy uh, workman. And the Late Late Show is basically... Yeah. <laughs> he's basically like, you know, the bumbly version of the two Jimmys. Hey. And who's the other one? Oh, yeah. Fallon. Yeah. I'm thinking Kimmel. He's, there's three of them now. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and... Yeah, so there's three James. Oh, yeah. Eh, never mind. Whatever. And like the thing is, like when he arrived, I immediately felt to myself, is like, oh, they're just going to write themselves out of the situation right now. Yeah. Because, like, okay, for the entire movie, I mean, the thing is, when you do a heist movie, you, there's, firstly, it's set up. Yeah. You got to, like, you know, you got to assemble the crew. Mm-hmm. Okay, those scenes are usually the most interesting. And then, like, after Kate Blanchett meets up with uh, Sandra Bullock after she's released from prison, and it's like, okay, I have an idea for a heist. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes. Okay. Checkbox. Okay, we need to get black girl, Asian girl, tech girl. Uh, all right. And the thing is, none of them felt like, uh, what's in it for me? What do I have to gain? Yeah, it was so easy. It's like um, they like, assembled the scene from uh, first class. And even they did it better because mm. they had the scene with uh, Wolverine saying, go fuck yourselves. Exactly. You know, there wasn't a moment where it would have been amazing. Where if they had like one... I don't, fucking Jennifer Lawrence, they approach her because she's, you know, something good or something, and she says, nah, I'm done. I'm saying more like Julia Roberts. <gasps> that would have, no, because that would have felt like a cheesy other cash in. But that would have been the perfect thing where, like, they approach Julia Roberts and it's like, hey, remember, I'm I'm the sister. He's never mentioned me in the other movies, but I'm, I'm a thing now. Yeah. And she's like, no. That, yeah. that would have been fun. Because, like, okay. But also at the same time, like, I mean, if you really want to tie it in, but uh, okay, so when they put the the cast, the crew together, like it wasn't that interesting mm. because it's, it's literally what I said. It's like uh, Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, interesting actresses with interesting characters, kind of. Yeah. Okay, Anne Hathaway is the mark. She's also kind of interesting because she, like she's basically. And I'll admit that the twist at the end where she joins the crew mm. was competently done. It was enough to where I went, oh. Actually, no, this makes sense. Completely done, but still lazily written. Yeah. Because it's like, of course we need to have her in. Because and her motivation who is the eight, right? Yeah. And her motivation was, oh, I'm bored and I don't have many female friends. It's like, really? really? No. You're, you, you, you definitely have a lot of I know friends. she's a porcelain uh, doll, but even they have slightly better motivations than like, I want a friend. No, but okay, like comedic effect maybe. Yeah. But I'm sorry, Anne Hathaway, you're no Matt Damon. Nah. And if anything... Okay, so it's stunt casting, stunt casting, stunt casting. Yeah. So, this movie barely convinced me that Rihanna knows how to use a computer. But at least she knows how to look at a screen. Yeah. And she knows to not use a Mac for these kind of hacking things. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that now, you know, uh, whoever the set designer is, you know, gave her a PC with water cooling and everything. You're like, hmm, well done. Yeah. You probably did some and research. And not too many RGB lights. There you go. Sorry, you stayed away from Razer. <laughs> No, it was red, so it's probably like an AMD setup. Yeah, or probably they gave Asus a ring. Mm, maybe, you know, RGB lights? Uh, would she? Eh. Mm. I don't know. Then, okay, after you have your assemble the crew, you got to do the planning. Yeah. And that's usually the most fun thing because like, then you see how their minds work. You can see like the brilliance of these people. And like, okay, most of all, it's like, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to create a fake. We're going to distract her. And then there's going to be a moment where like, she is in a blind spot because we need to create a blind spot yeah. so the cameras can catch her. We do the switch and we win. And to me, it was like, where is that moment? Remember in Ocean's Eleven where we need a specific man to do a certain flip? Yeah. 
And it's like so many things where like, oh, we have this problem. Okay, let's go steal a fucking EMP bomb. Yeah. It's like all these extra special moving parts where when you finally have the heist, the heist is half an hour, 40 minutes long because there's so many things which need to happen. And there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah, Whereas and there's so many things do go wrong. It's and like, like, okay, you, this is fun. And do, I don't know, do you agree with me? When I look at this plan, I was like, so where's the action? Where's the risk? Yeah. None of this looks like, even if... Like okay, especially the scene where they do the switch when they manage they manage yeah. to pull off the necklace, and it's like basically oh okay we need to do a clean sweep uh, everybody everybody out of the you know for such a talented pickpocket she was so sloppy in getting that necklace off mm-hmm. like she's meant to be the kind of thing where you never notice it like they have a scene where she steals both Bullock's and uh, Blanchette's bo- um, watches and they still catch her yeah so are you sure you want to hire her yeah she's not smooth if she's so good like. I've been like, oh, you know what the problem is? What? Because the best pickpocket's a guy, and you can't get a guy. Yeah. Remember her rule? No man. Yeah, it's and like, that's a problem because when that when that came like up, there were those one of two scenes which were definitely added to the movies by yeah. uh, producers saying we need to push this agenda. Yeah. Uh, the other scene was, Bullock saying we're not doing it for you, we're not doing it for us, we're doing it for somewhere. There's this eight-year-old girl who wants to become a criminal. Hmm. It's like. Could you not? No. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, again, and it doesn't pander to the progressive enough for it to be entertaining for me to like, you know, like at least I'll f- I've, I'm finding things that I find annoying and not, I, not that I dislike thoroughly. Yeah. And then comes this, like, then comes the heist itself and then comes the aftermath and like... The aftermath is too long because the, the big ticket thing should be the heist and then there's yeah. 10 minutes after where you have like the boom. And, and how we need to get away or, you know what? The most important thing, Something went wrong and we need to think on our feet right now. Yeah. And it's like, it felt to me like, okay, none of this felt deserved. Yeah. Because you didn't really, it's like, oh, how long did it take for you to plan this? Five years? Five years for you to basically set up a mark, get a replica, do the switch and escape. Yeah. How hard could that be? And it was all because uh, she got ratted out by David Armitage. <sighs> because, oh, this is not a heist movie. It's a revenge movie. Yeah. God damn you, Belmont. <laughs> Yet again, God decides to shit in my Cartier. Yeah. Uh, or shit Cartier into my suit lining. Mm, that's a very expensive soup. Yep. So, uh, yeah, shout out to our Castlevania review. Here we go. Okay, I can't wait for season two. It's coming out soon. Hopefully. Just in time for Halloween, I hope. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so, Ocean's 8 is a terrible movie. And in fact, I mean, I would say it's not even mediocre. It just doesn't do anything interesting. And, Again, I don't want to fall into the overwhelming tsunami of what's going to happen is like people are going to come out and say like, oh, if you don't support this movie, it's like, oh, you don't like women in film. And like, you're talking to a guy who kind of thinks that the best movie this year is Annihilation led by four women. Yeah. So it's nothing to do with that. It's just that. And you're also one of the few people still um, actively losing for Battle Angel. Yes. I hope that it actually does well. (sighs) But like... What I feel is like the conversation should be basically what are we going to do with all these women in Hollywood aging out? Because we just talked about book club and these are women from a different heyday. They're from like 60s, 70s and 80s. Yeah. And literally I'm seeing like 90s icons like, you know, freaking Sandra Bullock and oh, you're doing this now? And I'm like, most of the time is like, I get it that in between movies, you got to do the one like shit flick. Yeah, but... But she's not in between movies. Yeah, because the last movie that I'm aware of that she did was Heat, and that was 2014. And there was also Gravity, yeah. which was like, you know... But good. that was much earlier. Yeah. And 
okay, I get she's going through a lot right now, especially. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's. Mm, I mean, imagine if we did Oceans Eight. Yeah. And we replace uh, Kate Blanchett and uh, Sandra Bullock with something like Margot Robbie, Jennifer Lawrence, and Jennifer Lawrence, real eight girls of this era. Yeah. And then like the star casting like uh, Rihanna and Aquafina, mm-hmm. like okay, they they would have a totally different conversation. It wouldn't be so much about like I'm an older lady. What are you doing Instagramming all of this? Stop it. Yeah, it felt like mm-hmm. a a lot of like. Um, they felt a bit fuddy-duddy in some regards. Exactly. and Especially in the choices like, oh, no men. Why? Because men. Like, oh, no. it's because we want, to, we want to be ignored for once. It's like, okay, that fun statement. The but dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because it's like, if you're an actual criminal, if you're a master criminal, you get the guest, the best person for the job. Despite, you know, whatever. Yeah, and also, like, when they have that scene where they're all leaving the Met Gala in their stunning dresses, like... What's this scene for? Yeah, <laughs> also, most of you don't get ignored... Hmm. Especially Rihanna, like she looking like that. Yeah, How she are you draws the eye of everybody. And like, the Kardashian was there. Yeah, she was there. Heidi Klum was there. Some of the most beautiful women appeared. They cameoed in this movie. Yeah, you know, and they managed to get uh, Sandra Bullock speaking very good German with her. I think she can. She's proper. Right. She's half German. Yeah, and you know what? I would say, props to Katie Holmes for just appearing. Yeah, <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> She tried her best. You know, and like, she's literally looking at Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh yeah, she came for the, s- the, the, like, remember that Batman movie you decided to drop out of? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be much worse if it was like Maggie Gyllenhaal. Also. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, the Batgirls reunited. Uh, or you know what? The Mark is Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be fun. Instead of Mr. Armitage himself. We got, and then we just put them next to each other. And but that like, would never happen because he's so goddamn controlling. Hey, there you go. And it'll be about him. Yeah, of and course. And Sofia Botella would be like his... Uh, like. Yeah, I wonder if he's lusting after her now. Maybe. I don't know. Is he? Is she in the new Mission Impossible? Not that I'm aware of. Who's the hot 20 to 30 something actress that he's... Oh, you mean like when they cycle through women? Mm-hmm. I remember it was... Uh, Maggie Q for a while in the third one. Yeah. Like, oh no, we're going back to white women. And then they kill her off, right? Nah, she gets shot and then that's it. Mm. Well, so, I mean, okay, what about you, Eccentric uh, Tom? Like, does Ocean's 8 need to exist? Here's the thing. I, I think that this movie was a lot like the popcorn I was eating when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. In that, it's not great. But for the moment. It's fine. It's like, you, I would never choose to buy it like out and up, I was like, I wouldn't actively seek it out. But if it's there, but like, okay, whatever, it will sustain me. Maybe it's a bit too much. It's definitely not good for me. Yeah. But I'm not going to, you know, object to it, its existence. But it definitely, it feels like there were the kernels of what could have been a fun heist movie mm-hmm. if they didn't lean heavily on the ocean name. Yeah. I'm surprised that's still a thing where they're banking on. Because, I mean, in this day and age, you need name recognition. I suppose, but Kate Blanchett was just in one of the most fun Marvel movies two years ago. Couldn't you sell it on her name? Like, she was a huge part of the marketing drive for Ragnarok. And then again, you also have Anne Hathaway, who's pretty much, you know, I mean, she's not aging out at all. No, she still has some name recognition going on. And I'm pretty sure she's one of the few actresses who is like, she can do anything and she'll be fine. Yeah, and Mindy has a new show on Netflix. Like, you know, they all should have some kind of like, oh, I know that person. Mm -hmm. And also fucking Rihanna. Rihanna. Rihanna's not gone anywhere. 
but she hasn't done anything for her acting I since mean, Battleship. And that's all right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is her second attempt. Cool. Oh, no, she was also in uh, Valerian. Was she? Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was a shapeshifter. For a hot second. Mm-hmm. Totally forgettable. Exactly. Yeah, where they just redid the Umbrella uh, music video for three minutes in that two and a half hour movie. <laughs> you know who would have been amazing in Ocean's 8? Yeah. Cara Delevingne. No. She's the eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's, she should have been the hacker. Yeah, just like doing the weird <laughs> eyebrow dance when she's hacking in. Yeah, of course. I mean, nothing about this movie stands out enough for me to recommend it. And the thing is, like, I'm definitely, you know, uh, weighed down by the baggage of being able to recommend five other heist movies that are superior in every single way. Yeah, sure. If you want to watch a new modern heist movie, which is so much better, watch American Animals. Okay. Yeah, I heard it's really good. I mean, it has some issues, but I would say it's a far superior movie. Okay. Which also has an American Horror Story alumnus in it. Okay. Even Peters. Oh, he's in it? Yeah. Cool. With uh, Gary Keegan. <laughs> Our favorite secret deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay, the thing is, this is too much of a downer, but you know what? Will Let's get the final number. This is definitely like 2.10 or something. Wow. This is not good at all. Okay, I'm going to be a bit kind of, I'm going to say this is a 5. Really? Yeah. Recommended, but not recommended? It, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'd say that I, I, there's some people who just enjoy watching these kind of movies, yeah. and they will find something to enjoy it. Okay. But personally, I wouldn't put my rubber stamp seal of approval on this. You know what? The thing is, I'm going to do you all a favor right now. If you're all looking for a heist movie that's really clever and that's doing things new, and it doesn't like... Uh, Basically, it's scaffold itself by trying to be progressive by having an all-female cast. Yeah. You know, like, fucking Inception. Like, Ellen Page was yeah. probably the most interesting character in the entire She was episode. the most integral part because without her... They She's the, the storyteller. She's the one yeah. who plans the maze. It's like, okay, there you go. And if you want to, like... Okay, it's very easy to say. If you want a fun heist movie, the original Italian job... Yeah. It's hard to top that in terms of just how insane things go. Yeah, I mean, even the remake was... Kind of fun. Yeah, for but, what but, it was. But it's dumb. I mean, like, Mosdef and, like, uh, what? Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg. Mosdef and... Uh, Ross Kemp, I think? Was he in it? Yeah, I think so. It was some, some bold English dude. And, well, okay. Then, okay, the greatest heist movie of all time. Uh, there's this uh, black and white classic called uh, Rafifi, directed by Jules Dassin. Please find that movie because... It, during the heist itself, 11 of the most tensest, butt-clenching minutes of your life. Because the thing is, uh, everything in the vault is triggered by sound. Ooh. And the way the director plays with silence, and the way that just the slightest thing being knocked over will just, like, everything will just fuck up. So it'd be like a quiet place, but a heist movie. There you go. And then, I mean, I could also recommend uh, Le Secret Rouge. Uh, I can't remember the name of the director. It's a lot of French movie. movies you're suggesting here. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, then the first heist movie, the greatest heist movie, black and white also, Asphalt Jungle. Okay. I would seriously recommend you all check that out because that is, to me, the blueprint for every single heist movie ever. So, like, Asphalt Jungle is the first one. It has all the elements. It has yeah. assembling the crew, planning the thing, doing the heist, things go wrong. And, of course, the Oceans movie. With the Rat Pack. With the Rat Pack and even the remake, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Fuck the sequels, ignore them. Mm-hmm. And this one, to me, is like, it's literally, you know, Oceans 11 is the best one. Then it becomes, like, you know, 13, then 12, and 8. Yeah. So you're like, hey, there you're you playing go. this below 12. This is below all of them. Yeah. It does nothing. And the thing is, because if you're going to, like, hang your name on it, 
And like, I get it. Okay, let's all look at the grave of Danny Ocean and like, okay, we're moving past this. It's about us now. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're still looking at it. It is step away. You know what I mean? It is definitely, literally, sometimes in the shadow of Danny Ocean and his crew. Exactly. And, well, like I said, unfortunately, we live in a world where we do need name recognition, but mm. they should have taken a chance. They won't. Of course they won't because... Too much is at stake, money is on the line. And the thing is, everything needs to sell a couple of million dollars. Yeah, but stop trying to prove the adage, right, that women can't sell movies because we've proven that they can. Just Yeah, yeah. Margot Robbie, whatever she does next, I will definitely buy a ticket, even if it's a shitty Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. I'll still watch it. Yeah, I will watch the Harley Quinn solo movie if I get to see her act again. Yeah, you know, and like, especially like, I'm going to bring up something too. Uh, Terminator 6, there's been like... uh, I think on-set photos where Linda Hamilton's in it. Well, there we go. I'm sorry. The sold. original Sarah Connor. And like, you know... We Do they did, have a twin as well? I don't know. But I don't know what her role is in this movie. Yeah. But I do know that, okay, they're bringing her back for just for this. And it's like, it's sad to, to, for me also to say like, you know what? Because of that, because of the name recognition, I'm interested. Yeah. But also at the same time, like, you know, it only works for certain situations because I think the way Hollywood th- works is like, Make sure there's something that somebody can relate to or reference. Yeah. Because that's what's going to sell tickets. And then we get all these kind of movies where it's like reference, 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 reference. And sponsor, 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 sponsor. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I mean, we're entering a very... I would even say a... Like, what's the opposite of a golden age, man? Uh, copper age. A copper age. A tin age. A tin age. We're entering the aluminium age of films. Yeah. Where, like, you know, unless you're a superhero... The unrefined zinc age of cinema. <laughs> there you go. Okay, the stainless steel. No, stainless steel is actually useful. Yeah. But, I mean, there is nothing about this movie that I would recommend. And, in fact, there's other movies I would rather y'all spend your time looking for and watching. I just yeah. recommended some. Heck, even Die Hard, to some extent, is an amazing heist movie. Oh, yeah. You know also, I mean? best Christmas movie. Best Christmas movie, still, hands down. And then, yeah, maybe Gremlins below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, uh, I just hope, like, you know, some like I really do like Sandra Bullock a lot. So do I. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kate Blanchett and also definitely Hannah Hathaway. Like, now they can do definitely better. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking purely from a place of disappointment and like, not, not, nothing here special. So uh, don't watch. I'm going to outright say don't watch Ocean's 8 because, you know, it's not doing anything special. So there you have it. Yeah. And ending on that real fucking downer, I think that... But women rule. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey... Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. We don't hate women. This is not because we hate women. This yes. is just a bad movie. They're the best parts about uh, being a guy is that you're the women. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> and if that makes sense. You know, the best part about being a guy yeah. is that you get a go- you chase up the girls. And on that slightly creepy note, yes. we're going to be <laughs> ending this. So once again, I have been Eccentric Tom. I'm the fence. And I am a Dr. Feminist. <laughs> Signing out. <laughs>